finally got my man in here. A legend. I'm excited, man. Me too. Thanks for sitting down with me. No problem. So, the moment that I've already had heard your name before mm-hmm. we met. Mm-hmm. We met under the circumstances that we did. And a couple of weeks after that, Vic Mensa, he starts blowing up a little bit. And he goes to Narwar's show. And Narwar, he says Pugs Adams. He says the radio station. And that was big for me because what are the petty reasons why I make music? One of those little goals is to get interviewed by Narwar. So when he uses you as a fact, that was crazy to me. Yeah, that was a, a, a wild time because I didn't even see it. There was a bunch of kids coming to the store. And they were just like, are you like the same Pugs Adams that they were talking about in the interview? I'm like, what interview? And then they pull it up and I'm like, oh, that's shit, fire. We did it, we did it, we did it. <laughs> so that was a surprise to you. I mean, for me, like, a lot of people, you know, they know of me in the sense of people that really study hip-hop and rap and that kind of thing. But it's like, oftentimes, I'm disconnected because the way I go about it. You know what I mean? A lot of times I put stuff out and some things I let sit, other things I put a lot of pressure on. Like, I have to do this interview, I have to go be on this show and that kind of stuff. Right. So it's, it's always trippy to me. I mean, somebody was, uh, this uh, PR agent, she was telling me, like, yeah, me and Sway, we're talking about you in Chicago. And I'm just like, ah, oh, right, oh, okay. Never know, like, who's yeah, watching yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, for me, oftentimes, I'm the interviewer. Right. So I never really, you know, think about me being interviewed, you know. Yeah, and that's crazy, man. You've been the host of CTA yeah. Radio on uh, WHPK. For a while, what, when did you start that? Twenty years, bro. Twenty this, years, bro. This, this this new year will be twenty years. That's crazy. So two thousand. Yeah. You started doing that. Yeah, I was doing like uh, in the midst of doing that. I was doing like a rap TV show as well called Barbershop Hip Hop. We did that for maybe three years. It was on like maybe two years before I got on. That's hard. But that one, we like interviewed everybody, you know, big and small. So from gym class heroes to the kid we thought had bars. But the difference of that show at the time was that we would make content so we would make people music videos mm. so we had more videos to play okay. that kind of thing and then like uh, covering a lot of concerts which wasn't really that popping at the time and you know interviewing graffiti writers I mean I remember going to New York to interview T-Kid was like a legendary writer like from the beginning and you know just getting stories you can't get if you don't really have a you know a repertoire with the person you know like right. I spent like a whole day with him just uh, kicking it and him just breaking down everything from Fat Joe is probably the realest gangster from New York in ah, comparison to a lot of other rappers sure. and, you know stuff like that yeah. I heard some some crazy Fat Joe stories yeah. the industry man is crazy that it is not how it used to be because you could really strong arm your way into the, a lot of people strong arm in their way yeah. I hear like them old Terror Squad stories about them yeah, forcing their way onto and, the set yeah right, rushing know? in or just you know going to the label like I need money now you know like when I was uh, working with um, Sadat X, you know, a lot of his stories about Brand Nubian and how it would go down with, you know, and them and Grand Puba and like them just saying, this is what we need or we're not doing nothing or people rushing to the studio to get the per diem that they didn't know they had per diem every time they recorded. And trippy, man. Crazy. Different time, definitely a different time. So when I'm doing the videos and all that. Uh, well, no, I still do all that stuff, but in the time of that show, like I think we hit our mark of where 
we needed to either go to like MTV, right, or people had to you know do the other things that they were doing. And I mean, at at the time, like Slim, who started the show, he was a, a real barber, so it wasn't okay. just like the barbershop because we was in the barbershop. It was like we would shoot episodes from his barbershop, and then he moved out to Crystal Lake, and you know other people moved okay. overseas, and you know it's just that thing of like in that window. Amaze, Amaze Balls was happening. Yeah. What was the barbershop located? Uh, it was Irving Park near uh, Pulaski. Crazy. Like Irving and Kimball, right there. And like the crazy part, a lot of rappers would get their hair cut there. Like Northside guys would get their hair cut there. And, but I mean, Slim was like maybe six foot nine, six foot eight tall True. white cat. And I mean, he would be trooping all through the city to shoot these videos. And I mean, it was really based off his taste. It wasn't just like, oh, you're popping. Right. Want to do something like everybody he picked he was like i really like your music because even when we first met you know he was just like ah i want to shoot a video for you you know maybe you could be the host you know but okay just you know very sincere right and i really appreciated that because i think the first time i really met him he was shooting a music video for this guy infinito 2017 and it was uh me and my roommate we had an apartment in south shore and like Granted, you know, like our apartment will have everybody come there from, you know, the smallest rapper to a Kanye West, the full gambit of people will come through there any time. But on this particular day, I, I think I might have had a guest and my roommate, you know, didn't really know what was going on. And we just get a knock, a buzz. Then, no, no, we didn't get the buzz because they got through the gate and just a knock on the door like, hey, yeah, we're here to shoot the video. We're like, uh, whose video? Yeah. You know, and it was for like this guy. But after that, you know, we hit it off. We did it, man. So you've been hosting a radio show for over 20 years. You've been making art for way longer than that mm -hmm. in the city and around the world. But mainly one thing that you just said as far as like so many people coming in and out of that apartment. Can you talk about some of these, some of the rappers that you came up with or some of just mm -hmm. the artists that you've seen coming up with? Because I know, I mean, like you said, you've seen Kanye first coming up. Yeah, um, well... In, in that time of Chicago, and I guess with any time in any scene, like if everybody's pushing, you're going to see each other. Like, I mean, a lot of the, the kids that are like 25, 24, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, I was with Chance and da da da, da sure. you know, and that kind of thing. And if you're moving, people know you're moving, they want to be around what's moving. But um, in, in that time, I mean, we would go to like Navy Pier, North Pier before, you know, I got demolished and turned to what it is now because it's like a big arcade there so people will meet up there first and go to Navy Pier yeah. rap in circles and you know all that but I mean you have everybody from Rob Fest to Kanye up there just you know I get one to get girls but the other you know just to be loose you True. know in it and I mean in that time we're talking like 95 to about 99 in Chicago like the freestyle thing was very prominent you know even in Iridium being at Block 37 you know for me, it was kind of like going back to where I used to hang out at, where I first, you know, got discovered, you know, for movies, first freestyle battle people and that kind of thing, first buying Ralph Lauren at Marshall Fields and, you know, that kind of thing. But um, it was just a, a mishmash of characters because in that time as well, you, you would make fast friends with people just based off what they were looking like. Right. And I mean, now that's a harder thing to do because people dress from the internet. So they exactly. could be uh, dressed you don't like a gothic it. person, but they're really into right. hauling oats or something, you know, something crazy like that. So a lot of times it's, you know, trooping by yourself. Then by the end of the day, it's like 10 guys with you or, you know, a couple girls. And you guys all are into hip hop and you all had the same baggy clothes and some book bag and, you know, some crazy runner type sneakers. 
you know, but just offer those those quick eyeballing things. You're like, all right, you must be into what I'm into. So that brings me to like you hanging out with the low heads mm-hmm. and things like that. It was that one of the? Tell me about some of the things that were like those well, hot conversation yeah. pieces. Well, well, with that, it was more being from Inglewood, and my parents were like, you can't have a starter jacket. Like it's not gonna go. You're gonna get shot. You're right. gonna get stuck up. That kind of yeah. There's a lot of gang banging going yeah. on. Starting and so I mean, I took that and just went the super polar opposite and was like, well, I'm gonna be super preppy then. I'm gonna go, you know, as far as I could go with it to the point. Of, like even my sketchbook was a Ralph Lauren sketchbook. All right. you know, just that hard with it. But um, in in Chicago, like them there, I would say, and you find it's like those two groups of, of people. You know, I would say would start to influence, you know, what me and my inner circle were, were, were you know, pursuing because we were younger. But they would just be fresh, you know. And, I mean, one thing uh, with uh, Reginald, who's, like, the graphic designer dude from them there, and he did, like, the Sprite commercials with all the rappers. Right. Even now, I mean, style advice and, you know, other design advice to a lot of different creatives and musicians and that kind of thing. But the thing he, he, he was saying, you know, was like, when I come, I'm crisp in every sense of it, from the things I do to how I dress. Mm. And I really, you know, gravitated to that idea of like I look the part, but also I could perform the part. Right. You know, and it's not, you know, the clothes are nice, but it's not just about the clothes. Either way, I'm gonna kill you. Nah. Murder you. <laughs> you hear me or you see me, it's yeah. over. But then from there, you know, like uh, with the polo thing, it just you know, as most things, if you get enough of it, it could become an obsession. And I mean, I was I was in it, man. I remember, you know, we would go to Michigan City every Saturday with this girl Marcy, my friend Cosmo, and I mean, just shop, shop, shop. We, you know, go to the mansion downtown, and it was further up, you know, by closer to the Gucci store over there. And that little, I think it's still empty right now. This the space where it was before I moved further down Michigan, and you know, just trying to cop something, you know. But it was it was definitely like a secret society of like. I remember my wife now, she was with her friends were like, he's got teddy bears on this one. What's that about? You know, I'm like, they didn't know? Nah, I mean, that was in their world. It right. was in their world, you know? And I mean, early on, I was I was into that. So, you know, it was just always like, what, what's, what's going on? You better go sailing or something, you right. know? But then as people would understand how much those things cost, and then even more important was the resale value of those items. It was like, oh, right. I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. It's funny how people start getting it once you tell them how much it costs. Like, I knew that people were sheep when Bape started getting popular. And everybody would clown you. If you were in the hood and you was rocking Bapes. Out of colors. The the colorway and just the shape of it. You know, they was like, that's a fake Air Force One. That's the worst fake Air Force One I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And then you have to straight up show them the box. Show them the price check. Like, man, these cost double, triple (laughs) what Air Force Ones. And then they're like... Oh, and then they'll be down with it just because. That's, 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 that's kind of weird how that goes. But I, I got so into it, I didn't even like listen to people at that yeah, point. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was just, it didn't me matter and what my it guys, was. like uh, me and Word, Scorn, like uh, K-Polo, uh, the guys at Juggernaut. It was just like a secret society of guys. Timbuktu, you know, he was a heavy collector. Okay. Sharif, you know. I mean, just, you became friends for this ideal. Because, I mean, with Ralph Lauren, he's always telling these stories in, yeah. in the clothing, which I found really interesting. You know, as I can relate that 
to, you know, pieces of clothing that I liked, you know, growing up. And you had this sweater forever, and it's rattered, but you still, you know, you're like, that's my joint, you know, that's my favorite tee. I know it's fading, but, it's you know, mine. and he would make stuff like that. You're just like, ah, oh, that's cool. That's cool. I get it. I get it. Were there any other, like, style influences that you had, like, people around the city, um, like Reggie from uh, them there? Outside of that, I would really say a lot of times it would just be, you know, my dad and my mom, you know, from the beginning. Because like, my mom worked at the apparel center, and she was a buyer for a couple of different, like, big chain stores. And she would always bring home these trippy samples from, like, these brands that are, like, launching, trying to get into the That's big store. That's fire. But they're not popping yet. So she was like, yeah, here's this book bag, you know. So it was always kind of, I would be going to school with that kind of stuff. And people were like, what is that? Where did you get that mm. from, you know? Who made that? And I was like, oh, it's like I can't read it. Things that we didn't appreciate as kids, I feel nah, like. Nah, nah, because I'm like, I want, I want an East Pack. You want everybody the shit that everybody else has as a kid, which is crazy. That's that's the one good thing about the internet. Um, it's a pro and a con, I feel like. With the internet, people, they want what everybody else has. But I think now the good thing is with the youth, they're more acceptable to rare shit. Mm-hmm. Of having something, you know. Well, I think they can pick more style influencers right Before exactly they were pretty limited to what was in the magazine it's just a cosign yeah, it's a right. cosign when you it doesn't even matter if the person is on the other side of the world as long as you see a bunch of people have already accepted it it mm-hmm. makes it easier for people you know which is a slippery slope <laughs> did you ever get in the jordans anything like that uh for a minute like the Jordan thing for me was like when I was in fourth grade because my grandpa he bought me the blue and red, the blue and black ones, the Jordan ones. The right. That was like my first introduction to having like a luxury sneaker, and I mean it wasn't really luxury then, but it was expensive. Yeah, and it was Chicago, and highly wanted. And it was like you know I'm in Inglewood and in you know the folks' neighborhoods. So I was like I was right on cue with mm-hmm. the colors, un- unbeknownst to me. That right. was just the newest one because I mean literally, my grandpa picked me up and he's like, hey, you know. Need some shoes, right? I'm like, yes. I'm gonna take you to get some shoes. I was like, any shoes I want. Ah. And I was just like, yo, I want some Jordans. And dude brought the Jordans. I was like, just got. It. And then after that, I was like, uh, Agassiz, Reebok pumps. And then by the time I got to high school, I was really on the hip hop vibe. So I like, you know, a lot of different shell toes and Chuck Taylors, like all the colors and that. But then probably 2009, 2010. I really got into the Jordan 3 because okay. they had released overseas and it was just like sitting because, yeah. you know, people were going to Adidas there. Sure. So I was like, ah, I'm in it. I'm in it. I can get them all. No problem. Yeah. That's a dope opportunity. So let's take a couple steps back. What and Talk about your parents and the type of influence they had on you and what you're doing now. Okay, well, I know you had when I was creative. born, like, uh, my dad, he was uh, a radio DJ in Pittsburgh. I mean, he actually moved here because he was supposed to do a radio show on WVON. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, he was wrong with that. He had, like, mm. a, a massive, like, record collection, tape collection, and all of that. But he didn't really care for house music. So that was a, a really that's hard, hard spin to come wow. to Chicago. And that's, you know, where the music's at. Sure, yeah. yeah. So, uh. so he slowly was like, yeah, I'm over this. I'm going to go back to school. So he went back to school in, uh, at UIC, and I was actually going to the preschool there for a little bit. Okay. And um, he got into like writing for people, because I mean, he was a Black Panther in Mississippi to the point, they were like, all right, you gotta go. Mm. You're doing kicking up too much dust. He was and a Black like, Panther in Mississippi? Yeah, yeah, and he was like one of the first kids to go to integrated school as well in mm. Mississippi. 
So he's originally from Mississippi. Uh, or that's where he was living as a kid. That's where he was living as a kid. Okay. Yeah. Because I'm not quite sure who was born in Mississippi. He might have been born in Detroit. I can't, I can't quite remember. That. Okay. Yeah. But my grandma and my grandfather, they had like a farm and some other stuff out there. That's I'm sure. Her you, parents, yeah. Yeah, your dad probably told you some crazy stories. Yeah, I mean, just the point of him having to leave, like, they're like, you got to go. Right. And I mean, he even got on the radio because they were just like, look, man, you can keep protesting all this stuff why don't you get on the radio mm. you know you have a way with the people go sure. you know go for it yeah but um you know from there like um my mom she was an art student okay in pittsburgh and then you know they met there and then came here and she uh, went on to be the creative uh, no the artistic director of the boulevard arts center in england oh yeah and then she would know, paint clothing paint shoes all this other kind of trippy stuff. Then she got into photography real heavy. Okay. And now she like still paints and does a lot of the, the dip dye, tie dye stuff, boutique and all that. So she probably always wanted you to be an artist. Uh, I wouldn't say like my parents wanted me, but they definitely gave me the opportunity. Sure. Which I think, you know, for a lot of kids is rare that your parents are like, all right, go for it. You know? Right. I think with my mom, she just wanted me to do what I wanted to do, you know, what I felt my inner inner voice wanted me to do and she definitely gave me a lot of the steps to make it happen you know she hooked me up with like rex perry when he was doing um the comic strips in the magazines crazy and, uh, you want to do comic books here you go yeah okay. i was like I, I don't want to do comic books that's 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 some, some real work so what did you want to do when you were a kid uh you know you want to fly like superman you know at sometimes, I think just to be cool, you know, I think that was like something I was searching for. What does that mean? Yeah. You know, trying to find the definition of that. But then I started, you know, really getting into drawing later, you know, like around like sixth, seventh grade, like really like heavy, where it's like I'm making these books and drawings and taking G.I. Joe Man and making whole like basketball jerseys and shorts for them and making like uh, wrestling rings out of shoe boxes, like really. All right. You know, figuring out the art thing, but not knowing you're figuring it out, you're like, oh, right. dang, I just made a whole set, you know? Right. But, yeah, if it's in you, it's in you. Yeah. Did you have siblings? Do you have siblings? I have a sister. Yeah. yeah. Older? Younger, younger. Yeah. Okay. They used to call her Little Pugs. <laughs> I know she hated that. Yeah. That sucked. <laughs> Little Pugs. They call you Little Big, your brother? That's crazy. Uh, she was, you know, she was a little cutie, so it was just... That was just trippy, but I guess that might have kept out of trouble. Yeah. And uh, that's probably just enough. Oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> Easy. Okay. So uh, one thing that a lot of people don't know, and I'm, I'm not putting you on blast, is you were born in Pittsburgh. Because yeah. a lot of people know you as a legendary Chicago MC mm. um, and artist. Yeah. Um, so you came here at a young age. Yeah. This is like two. Oh, you know, uh, okay. Yeah, on the ground. Yeah. Word. So how, what is that like when you tell people where you're from? You typically say, I usually just say, because yeah. I'm from the south yeah, suburbs yeah, yeah, and I typically have to yeah, tell people, yeah. you know, just it just really Chicago depends on what kind of question, you know, like how they act. Cause, yeah, because I mean, most times I just say I'm from Pittsburgh, but then they're like, well, how long you lived here? I'm like, well, you know, so forever. Too, then they're like, oh, well, you're from Chicago. Uh, like, okay. yeah. I told you the other way, then you, you like, would have had that Pittsburgh. same conversation. Yeah. Sure. Okay. So. Let's talk about just coming up in Chicago because you've seen a lot of the city, how it's changed, gentrification, a lot of stars rising and breaking out of the city. What was that like um, 
just growing up as a kid in the city with a lot of the gangs and whatnot you mentioned yeah. there, like you have folks in your neighborhood. Yeah. And how did you stay out of that? Because I didn't. Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, most times I would see it coming and be like, nah, I'm not going to do that. Because, right. I mean, numerous times I, I I was offered to get jumped in, right. you know, depending on what school I was at. Even at Kenwood, they're like, no, oh, I'll jump in. I'm like, bro, I'm good. I mean, luckily, like, when I was a kid in Inglewood, the gangs, you know, they were kind of afraid of my dad. And I was like, man, y'all afraid of my dad. Y'all really yeah, can't do really that for me. This is the person that's giving me the most flack, you know. Right. So, you know, that that definitely steered me away. But um, they definitely came. I, I, I'll never forget, like, I was probably maybe eighth grade. And it was like, the, I think the Moles and the folks were about to have a war. And they like, knocking on the door, like, Come on, you gotta come outside with us. Oh wow! Bring your hat, you know. <laughs> Bring and, it. And, you know your, this color hat. My grand grandmother and my aunt are like, oh, just go. It's your friends. I'm like, no, no, no. This is the day I do it. I'm gonna come back. But then later, I remember we were battling, and they be pissing rappers, me and Kaz and a few other people. And you know, I was coming home on the bus. I get off, and the same guys we beat are hanging on the corner and okay. I'm like whoa I was just about to go down because I mean if you ever saw me in that time I was very fierce and very outspoken like if I wasn't feeling something I'm letting you know in the door and I would I could be very loud when I would rap and battle people and be very embarrassing mm -hmm. to you know whatever you were into just coming at you so I was like man I'd be mad I'd be mad and they were just like, yo, you got the folks. And then that was it. They walked home. Like, I was like, so you wow. made it out of that. Did you ever get in fist fights? Uh, here and there, but not like a lot. I mean, usually for me, a lot of times we were able to talk our differences, sure. but it's approach, you know what I mean? And then also knowing when you, you can't win, you know, that's the other one. Right. You know? There's definitely been those times where like, man. Because I can see that. You are a pretty nice guy, humble, you know, not trying to out gangster nobody you are your own man um but i could also see you know like uh when yeah. your rap personality comes out yeah. how you could antagonize somebody yeah. when i'm angry i'm angry and that's why i try not to get angry i try to avoid being angry oh yeah. man and i can't turn that I, you know i never even thought about that seeing you angry i've never seen you angry before um knowingly at mm. least i didn't know <laughs> <laughs> So you wrote your first rap when you were in like grade school, like fifth grade. Yeah, 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 for like a contest. Oh, that wasn't even a rap. It wasn't a rap. It was a poem. Yeah, yeah, because we had to write a poem about God. I was in Catholic school at the time, okay. St. Martin. And when I came to school and said the little poem, they're like, "He's rapping. He's a rapper." And I was mm -hmm. just like, you know, I had never really had that thought right. until that moment. Because I mean, for most of everything I've ever done, it's really based off other people seeing it and accepting it for what they perceive it to be sure and at that point i'm like fact there you go that is because i mean you know even with being a leader i only feel somebody's a leader if other people are telling you that's the leader absolutely otherwise you're just the guy that think you're in charge exactly you're just talking at an empty room at that point so what type of music were you uh, listening to uh well, up? like my first couple tapes like in the personal was like a lot of r&b tapes because at that time you know, your family will be like, oh, it's Christmas. You know, you honor somebody. I'll get you some tapes. And they'll have like these uh, sheets that would be in magazines. And it would be like, 
maybe two rap albums and it'd be like probably the, the weakest rap album and then like the toughest rap album and then everything else would just be Bobby Brown, New Edition, et cetera, et cetera. And my aunt, she was like, oh, I'm gonna get you something. I mean, you got a Walkman for Christmas. <laughs> you know, and I think I got like Madonna, I got like Houdini, and then I think I got like Bobby Brown or something like that. Not wired. So that, that was like the, the starter pack. Okay. I think even with vinyl, because I was with my, my mom and I couldn't like vinyl, crazy vinyl. So I got like the Jets. That was, that, that was, that was those were my first ones. The Jets. That was That's hard, Loki. Yeah. <laughs> so you get one. some samples out of that. Yeah, yeah, definitely that. Now. But my dad, he would always push it. Like when new music would come, he'd be like, "You need to sit and listen to this." He mm. would always be on that tip, even with like classical music and you know other stuff. Whenever he got hip, he's like, "All right, sit down, Dope. check this out." I mean, he bought Common's first album for me because at that point I wasn't really checking for Common. Right. Just. Because at that point, I was really East Coast rap. You know, I was really into EPMD and those kind of flows and those kind of beats. I mean, I was starting to kind of get into Lost Effects and Common was similar but different, you know, to that at that time because he rapped a lot faster. But, yeah. So when did you officially release your own music? Uh, the first tape I ever released was like junior, I think junior year or senior year of high school. And it was like a tape I just made during Christmas break. Okay. And I gave it to this kid, Jot. He was like a graffiti writer kid. And, um, you know, he kept the tape. And I was like, hey, bro, I need my tape back. You know, and he was like, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, my mom, you know, she's been playing it. And I was just like, huh? Oh. You know, and he's like telling me, like, you know, what songs she liked. And I was just like, word. Was That's like, crazy. So, you know, again, at the point of somebody saying, That's I like it, this, yeah. you know, and I was like, all right, all right, I think I could, yeah, let me get us a, a real go. Because, I mean, a few years before, like, eighth, seventh grade, I had got, like, a keyboard, hit sticks, and all this stuff for Christmas. Thought I was going to make this amazing album. I was like, no, no, nigga. That no, wasn't it. No, you're not ready yet. Yeah. <laughs> but at that point, because, I mean, we would do this thing called Morning Cypher at, the, at Kenwood, where, like, right before people would go to class and right before, you know, right after everybody gets dropped off, mm -hmm. we would rap in front of an English class by the lockers. And then, like, gradually it'd be more of a crowd of people coming to see this specific thing. Yep. And then new members would get added in. And this, that's, like, you know, around the start of Nacrobats, like, my, my crew and all that. Okay. So, did you start Nacrobats by yourself? Uh, yeah, yeah. That was, like, the Christmas break before this stuff. Yeah, I was at the crib. Because I was trying to join this older crew. I think it was Hemp Squad. I think I was trying to join them. Cause they had like offshoots. No, it wasn't Hemp Squad. It was Jam. Cause Jam was like the graffiti version. Hemp Squad was the party version. And okay. they were like older guys that went to Kenwood and some of the other schools in High Park. And the guy Umar, he's actually like a sick painter now. You know, and that's another guy. You know, when you're saying people, you looked at style advice and all yep. that. Umar, that's another cat. But he was just like, Bugs, you should start your own thing, man. Like we're about to graduate. Right. We don't need to be with us. You know, I'm just like. Yeah, you gotta know everybody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. put me on because yeah, once yeah. I'm about to graduate, yeah. I'm gonna be that guy. <laughs> right, right. But that was the best advice he could give me, man. So you know, Christmas break, I sat at home and I was like, "What is the name gonna be?" Because up until that point, keep going. Yeah, please. Oh yeah, yeah. Up to that point, like um, I, I was more of a graffiti writer that sometimes would rap. Okay. But at that point, I was like, man, I need to make a crew that's rappers and graffiti and DJs and poets like basically everybody I, that I knew what they were into yeah. put them all together in one thing and see what that, that, that looks like so I mean I was I think Animaniacs 
was popular at the time. So mm-hmm. I was like, what if it was Animaniacs? Then I could take the anarchy sign and put it before the Animaniacs. Uh, that'd be uh, crazy. Then I was like, hmm, acrobats. Let me look this up. Mental physical skill. Ah, mental physical skill. That's ill. Then I could put the anarchy sign, acrobats. But then I was like, hmm, I need to make it different because people are going to ride on you with both of those things. You know? Right. So then, you know, I was taking geometry, I think, or algebra. And I was just like, man, you know, we kept talking about ends the unknown. And I was finishing, like, some homework that we had over the, the, the break. And I was like, in unknown, person with mental physical skill, an acrobat. And then I was like, dang, so how will we tag it? And I was like, NOS. And it just was like, blah, blah, blah. Just all, you know, formulated. It was like the spider, Spider-Verse And moment. everything started yeah. coming together. So then the first day back to school, I hit up my guy PK. And I was like, yo, man, come. I want to see what you think. And then he was like, oh, that's dope. Yeah, let's do it. And then the asthmatic, because the, everybody else was graffiti writers. Me and PK were probably the only rappers at that point. Sure. And they were like, yeah, yeah, cool. And I was like, oh, yeah, cool. Fair enough. There it is. Let's let's get it. And then from there, it just will gradually build each year. So, Pugs, your name, did you were doing graffiti at that time? Yeah, was always, that that yeah. was your graffiti name? Uh, it was one of them. It was okay. like the last one. That was like the when I finally figured it out. That, that became the name. How'd you end up settling on that for your rap name? Uh, me and this girl uh, sat at Galley Thirty Seven, where this store is, and she was like a. I think she wrote Cupid at the time. And she was just like, man, you got to figure out this name thing. Why don't you just write your alphabets on a sheet of paper and we'll just pick out the best letters you can write. Okay, that's a good idea. And like literally the P-U-G-S, but it wasn't in that form. It was just like randomly G-U-S-P and I think L. And she's like, all right, we need to make something out of these letters. Okay. I think I seen Adam's Family recently, and I was a fan of Adam's Family back in the day. Yep. And again, you know, with me being super preppy, living in Inglewood, being opposite, I was like, dang, that's perfect. Nobody would know it's me. I could be anonymous because you're right. expecting a fat white dude. Yeah. You know? And also when I'm announced, you, know, uh, you, you just don't see me coming. For sure. Which is always great, you know, an element of surprise. So I wrote it, and I was like, oh, oh my gosh, we got it, we got it. Do you still feel like that, that element of surprise? Because that's that's a different thing. Like, I go by my real name everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people are always curious as to who, mm-hmm. who California well, is. But the, what's the reaction the when they say The thing I would pugs? say is, yeah, I don't think people see me coming. Sure. Because Pugs always seems very, like, lowbrow, very unassuming, mm-hmm. you know, and that. But then, you know, the thing I didn't realize with my real name, I could have got all the same things you know i didn't yep. realize the power of what you make a name all right i just saw it as like i don't i want my own nickname i need a nickname you know but so are you going to be releasing some stuff under your real name uh, maybe i don't know if we ever do an album can it be under your real name if that's what you would prefer damn you know what no i mean sidebar because <laughs> i definitely not need something with the legend Pugs Adams, because Narwar don't know this other movie. <laughs> and then we could do a special edition with the real joint. That's the idea. Okay, so you're writing, you're doing graffiti. What were some of your other graffiti names? Uh, I wrote Clue for a while, then I found out like one of the kids on the football team, that came, like, he was writing Clue too. And I was oh, God. Like, ah. I know your name. Right? I used to write Easel E. 
with the little, little accent mark on the top, SL, <laughs> for a bit. Then I find out it was another dude named Easel. I mean, that's the other part of Pugs Lee, because I was Pugs Lee Adams at that yep. point. Trying to figure out names nobody else had. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't even be like, a, maybe that's a, I wrote pervert for a little bit. And I was just like, I don't really want to go my pervert. <laughs> you know? And then later, like another guy that was in that robot was Perv. Oh, wow. And like, that's uh, Chris, the dude that does those uh, Nike box sculptures. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Pervolous, marvelous type of shit. You never heard of it. He had an ill voice. He voice does have a weird voice. Yeah, he was super ill. With, with the bars I didn't know he was rapping yeah you know, I mean everybody in that role, you, you for the most part you had to somehow rap or really be pro, prolific at graffiti oh very cool yeah. did you ever get in break dancing I tried they wouldn't let me in man. they're <laughs> like nigga you rap you, you do graffiti that's too much right you can't get in everything I don't know man. but I tried I tried because uh, we used to have meetings at uh, Promontory Point on Tuesdays was like the break of day. Thursdays was the rapper, and sometimes breakers would come too. Yeah, and I would just always be like, yeah, I want to learn because they would have classes. You yeah, know? Like, no, they would not let you in. They would not let me it's in. Like you got too much power. It was, it was That's my stuff. People really do be trying to limit you. Yeah, they don't want you to learn stuff. Nah, and I think now, oh. man, like if I did that, I probably would have learned how to DJ because I would have mastered that thing and right. moved on. Mm. You got a listening guy who wouldn't let me break, man. Damn. It's your fault, bro. All right. You got any crazy graffiti stories? Um, climbing on the side of buildings, arrests? Uh, yeah, I mean, I got arrested a few times. I mean, that's what kind of halted me up, you know, because as you get older, it gets really. But, I mean, I've had, like, the guns pulled on me and all that with the cops and all that. You know, wow. that kind of crazy stuff. But I would say the weirdest part of it would probably be like uh, one time it was like maybe six of us and the police you know come to stop with us after we attacked a bunch of stuff like in this neighborhood but the wildest part of it was I had nothing on me like I was dressed in like I had like a Ralph Lauren safari jacket khaki pants Eastland boots like I didn't look like who I was with yeah you know and you know, I washed my hands off on the car because it was kind of raining so you couldn't see any evidence okay and the cop was like well the girl's gonna go, or you could go, and then she doesn't have to go by herself. And I was like, ah, all right, man. Like, the greater good, man. Like I, don't, I would feel bad if something would happen. Like, all you right. Know? So you sat down for you. <laughs> that was a, that was the right thing to do. Okay, so we're probably getting the the lighted up movie. That's probably the craziest graffiti thing that happened to me. In the sense of the, you know, just what things was that? happening. So, um, literally, I was at Gal 37, place where I'm right now, and um, Babyface's wife is walking through all the students' tents. Wow. They're trying to find the artist to do all the graffiti in the movie. And okay. like, they stop at our tent, talk, blah, blah, blah. We all say hello, you know. And they're going through everybody's sketchbooks. <laughs> And then, like, I'm just in my book, just drawing. And like, oh, oh, let me see what. What are you doing there? What's that? Yeah. yeah. And then, then it's like, wow, you're, you're gonna do it. You know. And I mean, they had the guy like, so how do you have your sketchbook? Would you have spray paint inside your book bag, or would it be on your person? Oh wow. You know, would you have tags on your bag? Or would you, you know. So they just use you for consulting. Consulting and doing all the art. Oh, so you did the art in the movie also? Yeah, yeah. That was really the main thing was doing the art. Then the consulting came from. 
doing the art. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's why the kid didn't even have dreads. Wow. That's in there. Like, I mean, literally, it was just like what I looked like at that age. My hair was like a little bit longer. They should have just put you in a movie. They could have. They could have. Like, if it was me now, then, I'd be like, you yeah, know, I could just do it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Were you a little shy then? Not so much shy. I was just very anti-establishment. Okay. Know? I really was a very, like, grassroots, this is how we're going to do it. You know, we don't need anybody. Just because I was so used to people not helping. Yep. In the sense of, like, uh, outsiders. That I was like, yeah, do it ourselves. Because I took that money and put out the first Nacrobat tape. You know? Okay. Uh, who'd you put that tape out with? Myself. That's what I'm saying. It's just me funding all Oh, okay. Thing. And you just put it out. Yeah, yeah. How many did you print up? I think we printed up maybe 500, something like that. And Nothing too crazy. Did it out the trunk like that? Yeah. And I think Joker might have pitched in some bread, too. Artie McFly. Ah. Uh, in, in these times. Okay. Like, he would help you. That's we would, we would do the parties together. Is Artie McFly some type of Hispanic? Uh, Mix? Dominican uh, or something? He looks like he could be Dominican. Right. Yeah, that's yeah, funny because yeah. I, I know who you said when you said the yeah, second yeah, name. Yeah. I never knew him as Joker. Because that's his new name. But like, he looks new, like... In the Juggernaut days, when Juggernaut started, he changed it to Artie McFly. Oh, okay, okay. But he was Joker. Wow. And he had Who Crew. And Who Crew had like Static Arcade, Max Samson, you know, like all these really popping painters. Crazy. Yeah. Did you ever, going back to the, the Ralph Lauren stuff, you ever any crazy... Uh, me, and Joker, me and Joker were heavy. That was like my, my, my teammate on that, Word. man. Teammate, man. We would stay downtown, man, looking for deals and trying to get free deals, the whole thing, just however we could get it, man. Five-finger discounts out here. And here and there, then, you know, I guess we were lucky, you know, in the sense of, like, soon after we started college, we had real jobs. You right. know what I mean? So it was like then we had money to buy the stuff. Exactly. You know? Buy a little bit, still a little bit. <laughs> That's how that works. <laughs> really, Cal That's that how it works. Yep. So, when did you start seeing Acrobat start picking up steam? You in high school? Yeah, you high put school, out your own like thing. The, my freshman year of college, that's when I saw it really pick up. Because I, I wasn't at the school anymore, but I was going to all the high schools. Mm-hmm. Like I had a you know appearance. Yep. You know, and people would be like, "Oh man, Punks is here." The acrobats are here, and we're playing like people's birthday parties, wow. playing you know schools, playing Harold Washington, playing the Art Institute of Chicago. You know what I mean? Like really using all the the legs, all the connects. Because the thing I did with acrobats that I had never done before with like a crew was instead of putting down one person, I would put down a whole crew of people. Right. So you had your own buddies to hang out with. It's not reliant on you seeing me. Right. It's reliant on if you really want to do it. And you had to fill out an application. Mm. I had to see, you know, some of your work to say right. yeah or nay. And then we would have meetings like every other Saturday. We actually would meet like right across the street at the Marshall Fields on the corner under the clock. Okay. And then before that, I think we used to meet at the Burger King. They used to be next to Harold Washington. So y'all were popping. It was serious, yeah. That was that was a movement. Like at the point we sold stickers okay. to the different high schools and people were paying like five dollars for a sticker. I was like Stickers that was used to crack. I was like, we were really right. This is this is viable, you know, this yeah. is a thing. And you know, the ideology of it would just come, you know, because later it was like we need a logo. And I told you mm. I was playing with the anarchy thing. Then I made a, a box and then put the A in the box to connect it to A to the side of the box. Okay. And then everybody was like, I like that. Whatever that is, I, I need into that. You know, People would make t-shirts and all that stuff. Yeah. Crazy. So 
necrobacks. First of all, any rappers out there listening, if you're in high school, put the work in. Because I feel like high school is probably the best that place. That is the breeding ground. That is it's where you're creating the legend. And that's where you're getting all your, your delegates. I feel like that's a part of like Chance's secret. Uh, no, he was he in high school. It. And he said his father told him to go to each high school. Yeah. Man, his father was not playing on yeah. the campaigning. High school is a serious thing. You know, that's... You're going to get some lifelong fans there. And if you're in high school, even better. Because it's kind of <laughs> weird being grown and going yeah, back, yeah. hanging out of high schools. Yeah, it's kind of Kelly-ish. Exactly. That's how they got Rob Kelly. <laughs> you know, don't, don't want to do that. You ain't trying to pull up to the school. So you start picking up steam with Nacrobacks. Yeah, putting more people in. Then we had like uh, some exodus because other crews were created from our crew. And then they yeah. had their own thing. Where some then, Rockefeller type shit. State yeah, property. I mean, as always, you know, other people like, I want to be the leader. Yep. You know, that kind of thing. But then we got more into throwing events, like throwing parties and poetry readings. So that was really big at that, that time, like the poetry reading thing. You get a cafe to let you set up. And then like uh, Anacron, he came from L.A. to go to school at Columbia, and we all hit it off. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, most people we would meet was really based around this freestyling somewhere, and then it becoming a battle. And then being like, oh, yeah, you're cool. You should roll with us. You know? It was very, very bullish in, in that sense. I think that's like, how it... I- Back in the day, that's how it was with everything. It was like, let me test this motherfucker, and if they if they beat me, then I want them on my side. Yeah, 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 you know? yeah. Well, it wasn't many people beating me, but yeah, you was yeah, going. I still, I was just like, you're, you're solid. But I mean, that's all we would do was just, just freestyle and battle people, like literally, like sharks yeah. in the water, go searching for the altercation. You'd be of looking rapping. for somebody to battle and with no fear. That's the other part, man. Like I, I looked at some old videos, and like Kaz is like. Pushing a mark in his face, like just oh, ah, touching him, and you know we're like ah, people peeing on people, just crazy Whoa. stuff. In inside that circle, you yep. know, just no holes bars. Uh, to a lot, I think we were improv in that in that facet, and I think that's what made it exciting because it's like you never saw one of us. It'll always be like ten of us, right, out and about. Yeah. But um, from there, like uh, Psalm, she got in. Um, Hebrew, he got in via AKC crew, started by Droopy, which is like, uh, he was like a year younger than me. Okay. But I was like mentoring him as he was getting into graffiti, trying to figure it out, you know. And then later on, I was like, oh, damn, fair enough. And his brother Coors got real real sick with it. They had like rooftops everywhere on the green line. And then um, Static and Max and... Um, Taiwan Davis, Infinito, 2017, they just uh, started the Cultural Power 45. It's like vinyl only record label. That's really, I mean, they got like probably 50 releases in the last few years, like two years. Yeah. Static the Painter? No, 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 no. no. It's got uh, Taiwan Davis, Infinito. Oh, okay. Yeah. But a lot of different people, a lot of people are doctors now, lawyers now. Yeah. It's, it's trippy, like how that time of roughness. Is there like a base? I feel like there needs to be an Instagram or a blog or a website that's just Necrobass and has all of these different characters. It's like a Marvel. I, I think it'll happen. Thing. I, I think it'll For happen. For sure, yeah. got some things in the works Yeah, right everybody now. definitely needs a page. You know, all the members click on their faces yeah. and show their work. That sounds dope. Yeah. That sounds like That was kind of surreal because, I mean, 200 kids meeting up is, is pretty surreal. Yeah. So, uh, are people still out there repping it right now? Are you still accepting members? Uh, well, nah. I mean, it's it's not even one of those things. I think now it's just people that are similar to yeah. what we were into, just are naturally drawn, and we just work with them. You know, it's a lot of young kids over the years who are just like, ah, come on, come on. I'm gonna introduce you to my whole network. You go crazy. Okay. You know? 
did you ever dis- you ever talk about turning that into a label? Uh, I mean, we've discussed it. We've discussed it. Yeah. But it's it's one of those things where it's kind of like I, I do love the memory of it, and you know, figuring out a way to represent it is you know where it's at right now. Like we're working on actually a documentary about like what those times in Chicago versus what we all were going through versus what the output became. So that's pretty interesting. So when did you go from being acrobats and rolling around with a crew to starting to pick up steam as a solo rapper? So around 2003, we released like the last Nacrobat album. We had a release party, House of Blues. We had De La Soul as the invited guest. Well, you know, it's like all the stuff that you want to see happen, happen. Sure. We wanted to go tour Cali. But during that tour of Cali, we fell out. Like, it was just kind of like everybody was uh, itchy and uh, yeah. I'm me, you're you, I'm me. You Getting know. tired of each other. Yeah, yeah. And it was just like, we probably just needed a referee or something, you know, because our manager, like, not our manager, but the head of the label over, but he didn't go with this. It was just us. Okay. There with, like, the person that's booking the shows there. Okay. So, you know, they don't know us. They don't know, like, when somebody's being, you know, extra and all that. But we broke up there. And okay. then coming back, I had a show at House of Blues with Tuli Kwali. And my business partner at the time, this guy Sang Yi, and he was acting as my manager. He started to act as my manager after that. Mm-hmm. He was just like, hey, you know, what should I put on there? Because it was going to be an acrobat show, but because we broke up, it became a pug show. Wow. And that was like my first solo show. Okay. I didn't even know what I was going to do, because like for me, with rapping, I never really wanted to be in the front. Right. You know, I wanted to really, I was more trying to be a RZA. Sure, probably trying to support. Goal, you know, that kind of thing. But that was it. So me and my roommate, Damon Lamar, was like, ah, ah, just went balls to the wall, man. I never rapped that hard in my life. Right. Deep breaths. But we made it through. And then from there, I did a ridiculous amount of House of Blues shows from that point. So Necrobats already had a deal at that time? Or nah, y'all was I mean, on it? It was day? all self-released. Okay. And like the last record was with Birthright Records, and I was a part owner overflow and this guy lower 360 it was mm-hmm. like our label together and we were putting out different artists from the city but mostly stuff from our own camp so how did that come to be like you being a part owner and a label uh well it was really overflow man he had the vision you yeah. know i was just more i think like the promoter the provocateur sure uh, the voice you person know, out that there thing and the connector that's what i'm good at you know Word. Yeah. but you know you've had a lot of people don't know you're someone that has had a lot of different deals mm-hmm. with different record yeah. labels, companies, and things like that. So, like, how how does the, those type of things come about? Uh, usually, just conversation, man. Like, usually, I record a whole album and then I'll you know start the conversation with a couple different labels and see who's offering the best thing for what I'm trying to do and not trying to change this thing that I'm trying to do. And then from there, figure out what the money looks like, figure out what success looks like with this project and that, that kind of thing. What's the craziest advance you ever got? Uh, I got one where it's like me and, me and my girl just went straight to Hawaii. Word. <laughs> <laughs> we not really worried about much of anything. I okay. wasn't worried about much of anything for, for quite a while. You know? Hey, there ain't nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But I mean, in this point, I don't even want to advance any of that. Now it's just more so. You sell what we sell, you give me right. a half, I'm done. Yeah. But it's always, always did one-offs, which makes it difficult 
or the record labels oftentimes because they want an artist that they're going to have for a few for a years so they can build it up sure. and feel like they're going to get more of a return. So with me, it's usually very much like a shake in the back alley. I see you maybe next time. Right. But, have you ever wanted to, even looking back in hindsight, said like, man, I wish I would have stayed with them longer or anything like that? Well, mm. well, what was like your favorite deal that you've taken so far? My favorite would probably be Audio 8, just because the idea that I had was very hard for people to grasp as like putting out. Because it was a whole album about my life as a graffiti writer and graffiti in Chicago. And at that point, Artifacts were like the only group that was like blatantly, we do graffiti. And we, we discussed it in our songs, but not in the sense of like how Hamilton is. Yep where you're going through every aspect of what happens. So like the whole album was that. And a lot of other labels that I talked to were just kind of scared. They're like, I don't know how we can market this. I don't know, you know, what graffiti artists buy. I'm like, right. dude, everybody buys music. There's no like limit on who's gonna buy it. And it's good records, you know, because on that album, like I tested the waters with, you know, playing with my voice, with, you know, sampling other things that people usually don't sample mm -hmm. with doing rounds and like I think I recorded a year of conversations and train sounds and other things and wow. people to build this because it's literally the story of me starting graffiti getting the movie and not wanting to do graffiti because I did the movie mm. you know and just you know I guess how it feels if you feel like something you did has turned into too popular or more sellout now from the thing that you wanted in the beginning so they were just cool and I mean the recording process was cool the engineer polyphonics he made beats but he was just open you know like well, I want to do this and he's like hey, let's try it out bring them on over tell them all to come you know and I mean I got this tape recorder I'm plugging in with all these random things you know where, where were they based? They were based here they were okay. based, based in Chicago like uh, it was kind of an experimental label like uh, Serengeti like he became like probably the flagship artist on that one. Okay. Quite a few when he got really popular. But uh, they were just real loose. It was Polyphonic, Nico B, and uh, I want to say maybe Noble, you know, Noble, DJ Noble might have been involved. Okay. But, yeah, but they were like, definitely we got to make vinyl, got to make CDs and all that. And at the time I was being managed by Rapidism in New York. And right after that album, I got a deal to do a record for the radio show. Okay where I picked like all my favorite Chicago records and mm. put that out and you know listening stations and like all the record stores Virgin in stores and all that that was, that was a crazy time because it was you know again I was saying how people don't see you coming like right. I got it but people didn't understand the magnitude of what I was about to do Mm. Until it came, it's like, man, why don't you have me on there, man? I would have been on there, you know, it's no problem. Right, you didn't beg me. <laughs> it's too late. Too late for that. So you also um, were on the roster with like Jay Dilla. Mm -hmm. Yeah, BBE. That was like my dream label. Yeah, BBE. I mean, so many people. I mean, I, I'm just gonna leave it at that. Mm. If you don't know what BBE uh, is, all the dope look it up. Everybody, you know, and they still they still have a crazy yeah. roster. I mean, the yeah. people that they've represented is legendary. Yeah. So they showed a lot of love the first time I went to to London because I went with Taiwan Davis because okay. he had got a deal in Germany on Hong Kong recordings out of Berlin, 
And he was just like, had went to summer before, and he was like, Pugs, you should go with me, bro. It was only 444, man. That's nothing. And I was like, that is kind of nothing. Right. I do have 444. I can work hey, that Hey, that's out. a, man, I, they got a 444 flight <laughs> to London right now. Somebody send yeah. it to me. Uh, and I mean, that was to fly to London, to get on the train, to go to the different cities. So we went Germany, UK, Paris, Brussels, and Amsterdam. So and how long? Like that. It was two weeks, over two weeks, and we had like shows in some of the cities. Okay, how long in between uh, the time of you doing your first solo show and you being in That's London? A few months away from each other. Wow. Because the group was still together when we went to London, but then oh, okay. we came back. That's when we went to LA. Okay. And so it was like all in all in two thousand three. Oh, okay. I think. Yeah. So the first time you went everything to London. was escalating. Everything just kept escalating. Yeah. And, you know popular and that kind of thing and song was starting to really bubble it was like who's this female or rapper she called you know do y'all have an album together uh we have quite a few songs together. yeah i mean we, we were supposed to do a group at one time it was supposed to be one atom at a time but mm. i don't think we ever got past oh title. yeah by the way that Adam's family i never knew that about your last name that's so hard that's <laughs> that's dumb hard you know you got a new one coming out too yeah, yeah, yeah the animated yeah. one yeah, yeah. Now it's crazy. It's a, actually a rap collective called the Adams Fam from New York. They were like in the '90s, well, early 2000s. But when we all met, instantly just clicked, and it was just super funny because I was just like, we don't know each other, but we obviously we, we listen to the, the same. same stuff. Sure. But yeah, but the BBE guys they took us out off just a random email. We're like, hey, we're in, in London right now. Okay. Just trying to, you know, check out, you know, what's going on. They took us to like a club and, you know, bought drinks, all that. Dope. And they didn't know us from Adam. And I was just like, oh man, I gotta do something with these people. Yep. And then nine years later, yeah, it worked out. I was in there. Yeah. It's the way the dots connect sometimes. Okay, so you did that, broke up with the group, and then what? What was the next big thing for you? Well, so after that and doing the playing with matches, and I did this album 24 years later, that was pretty popular. It really was like showing my growth and yeah. more adult themes in that one. But um, I did this album, Conversations with a Chameleon. And like that record was, you know, under the management in New York. So they really pushed me in the sense of like ask for bigger features, you know, just paint this thing bigger, have music videos. Because mm -hmm. up until that point, I really had music videos maybe two songs and it was just kind of rushed you know yep. so at that point I made an animation for the song Memorial and then I made um, and that was an iMovie I made it and, right. and it, it went over like you know all the big blogs Fake Short and I write all of them went with it I think even OK Player went with it too and um, the next video was Dogwood Tree and I went to the historical society with my mom and they had this whole exhibit about slaves and when you left, they gave you this card and they said, remember me. They had like the name of a slave and the year that they, they, they got hung or whatever. Whoa. Yeah. And like, that resonated with me. I was like, whoa, yeah. that is heavy. You just put that on me to take. And then I made like a whole video around that. Because the song was about the moments of a slave being hung and looking at the crowd of people. Yeah. And seeing their family. Like, what would you go for your mom? You know? So, so those two videos were like big videos for me. Right. Yeah. Now, I mean, that's crazy because you're talking about you putting out an album, you making the videos yourself, animating it on iMovie. Um, and even now, you know, you're a graphic designer, you're doing paintings, doing murals, still releasing albums, still getting deals, still doing shows. Yeah. How do you become so prolific? Because 
even now, if I go on your iTunes, you have eight albums on iTunes <laughs> just from 2005, and you've been doing this before, yeah. you know, 95. Yeah. So, what is that thing of doing what you love? You know, for right. me, like I love to create, so it's just like that's the easy. thing I focused on. Like, it's not hard. up until Iridium, I never had like that job that I would go to mm-hmm. in this sense. Like, uh, only thing close to this was probably when I was working at Power 92, but again. That's not a conventional job, you right. know what I mean? It's more like your personality, you know? But it's just, you know, having that network of people, you know, I've had some great engineers, you know, over the years, Mulatto Patriot, mm-hmm. Overflow, West Restless, DJ Vadim, like people that just really let me go. But then also, I think the mindset I had in recording, like I'm always like, I'm gonna make a project, and never was really like, I'm gonna make a song. Mm-hmm. And for me, I usually always avoid it when it was just make a song. Was the relationship with someone who's always like, let's do a whole thing. Sure. Okay, I like that. Yeah. What's some of your favorite studios in the city? Uh, for for doing features, I like classic studios. Okay. Usually, every time somebody has to do a feature, that's where we go. Okay. That's what's up. Um, classic shout out, classic dope yeah. studio. It's where Chance and. They, you know, I think all those guys a got a bunch of, of they got a, tons yeah, every, of tons of everybody that people love in Chicago, it's me, you know, no name, they all the classics. But the one that probably get the most peas would probably be Fast Track out there in Salt Village. That was the first studio I got to go to and, you know, put some time. I think at that time, Twister recorded there and Thigamajiggy. Oh. That was, that was like a weird two people to measure, should I pay for this? Right. Twi- shout out like, Twister and Thig. I was like, word? Both of them? Yep. Out here? Two legends. Stager, Illinois, they're far. Yeah. You know? But they were just super cool at that studio. But they would just literally open the room, engineer would set up a channel and be like, go do your thing. You or, know? And they were all rock guys with cigarettes stuck to their lips. Mm-hmm. And, you know? Back when you were first starting to get into, man, I just remember those times. Nowadays, every single person is a rapper, producer, or engineer because mm-hmm. it's just real easy. If you got a laptop, especially a Mac, you pull it up, you already got everything you need. But... I, I think I came in just on the last leg of every studio that you went to. They were like white guys that did primarily rock music. Mm-hmm. I was the only people that was going in the studio. Now, every studio you go into is going to have rappers that have been there. Yeah, that's part know? of it. And, that's, of it, and yeah. that's probably most of these studios are getting money off of rappers. Because yeah, it's like a know? fastest thing. They don't need like a band. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like All they doing is the yeah. just two tracks. You got the beat and you record yeah. a vocal. But to be honest, like I prefer recording at home studios. I mean, most of the music I make in the last probably ten years is really my personal music is just all home studios, all like somebody I really trust and we're friends. Yeah, recording this out of love as opposed to just like eh, I don't know you. True, you may rob me later. I just go there, <laughs> you know. But just people that have a general interest, I guess, in what I'm, yeah. I'm making. And then sometimes I record myself. Like when we had the house on Monday. I'll be in the basement trying to figure it out, man. Yeah. The only way you can get it done sometimes. Yeah. Nay, that's what he just said. That's a real thing when you're dealing with these rappers, especially, and they come to your studio. That's the reason why you can't have a home studio dealing with rappers. Yeah, it's because they're sketchy. Yeah, because they, a lot sketchy, of them are sketchy. Right? Yeah, they will rob you. Yeah, a lot of people. Or they'll just steal some shit during the session if they're real brave. <laughs> you know, you look up, you're like, damn, where's my eye lock? Why, nigga, why? <laughs> So yeah, so from the conversations of the Chameleon album, that's the record that really got me starting to tour more. Okay. Because you know, with the Nagarats thing, we were touring, but as a solo artist, 
it wasn't until that album. So that's like 06, 07, 08. Mm. So I start to really tour. I go to the new music seminar thing in, in uh, New York. And uh, my manager sang at the time. He works out for me and DJ Vadim and his wife, Yara Bravo, and just sit down and have dinner. Because mm. he, he, um, he recognized Vadim, and I was more familiar with, with Yara because she had this song on his album that I really liked. And I was like, oh, man, cool. So we go to the dinner, we, we chatted up, and, you know, same pitches, me going on tour with them. Yeah. Like, hey, you know, Pug, you just dropped the album, he's looking to do some dates, you know, if you guys could ever do something together, that'd be awesome. He seems to generally just like me, you know, like, ah, you're cool, you know, fair yep. enough, we hit it off. And then he just, like, you know, hits me up a few weeks later and is like, hey, you know, you want to do this, this tour. No money. We just open up. And it was like 50, 40 shows in 50 days. No money. No money. You okay. got you to gotta make it work. Now, you know, as you were saying how many albums I have, that means I have a lot of merch. And at that yep. time, I was designing with Afrowear and American Needle. So I had all the stuff from them, mm. you know, to put on my table. And then I had my own personal, like, conversation with a community t-shirt and all that. So, I mean, we hit that. The, the table's heavy. Right. Okay. So, the, yeah, that's how you do it. Right, right, right. 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 You're but keeping all your merch. My DJ, DJ Incel, he had the ingenious idea that we could just couch surf the whole tour. Because oh, he was on right. couch surfing. He made that happen. I get big yeah, up Incel. That's like the most gangster... DJ, booking agent ever. Hey, man. Manager. He worked it out, bro. Every place we went, he found somebody with a crib or a hotel so room stay. to give to us. And we like, y'all stay Dope. here. Hey, man. That's a real deal life skill right there. Yeah. Whoever can find you, find yourself somewhere warm that's not outside to sleep, you good. Especially when you on the other side of the world. Yeah. I think we only did maybe two hotels that whole tour. And like one hotel was free. Like some dude in Seattle was like, I'm not gonna stay here. No, Portland, I'm not gonna stay here. That's only nigga one day. You guys keep it two days. Crazy. Yeah. So what are some of like your favorite cities? Cause uh, you've traveled all over the world. Yeah, uh, Paris. Paris and London are probably my two favorite places outside of Chicago. Like Paris is just the party. And then just there, like I could do a whole show, it'd be sold out. Then we could play after party, sold out, but totally different crowds. Yep. And then that was just to me very interesting of like, here's this one group of people that just want to dance while I rap. And then here's a whole another group of people that just want to watch right. and react while I rap. But London, I think more just the scene. Like I really like the scene there. Where's Vadim from? Uh, well, he's Russian, but he okay. lived in London most of his life. Right. And now he lives in uh, Spain. Okay. In Barcelona, outside of Barcelona. Oh, that's dope. I need to go do a home session with him, Sap. Yeah, man. Yeah, he's trying to get me out there now. Like, uh, we just finished up a new project. I actually need to do the cover for it. That's actually what I'm over trying to figure out right Okay. Now. Yeah, yeah. But it's like a, a remix project with this group, Fat Freddy's Drop. They're like one of the biggest ska bands from New Zealand. Mm. And like, we tour with them. Usually, you tour with them. It's like 5,000 people every show, regardless of who else is on the bill. Crazy. And, and then they're like a maybe 18-piece band. Like, it's a lot of them. Mm. Yeah. Like, real sick, like, soul, meets reggae type, type vibe. But I, I got, like, that. like uh, Neek. I got, um, I Am Dean. I got Black Spade. I got uh, Grazia Lafina, who replaced the other girl that was Sabra that used to be in Electric. And then, um, I got Nyla, who's, like, a new vocalist here. He was super young, but real talented. Cool. Produced all that. On album? Yeah. yeah. Right. So it was like, I think nine records. So that should be coming soon. Fire. Yeah. 
who I was just talking about. Being multi-talented right now. Anybody who's watching the video, my man's on Photoshop <laughs> working on the album cover right now. DIY wave, you know. If, you got to get it all done, man. Yeah. I mean, if you could do the best job, then go ahead and do it, you know. Well, that's that's really how I got into it, man. Like, I, people would be like, oh, I'll do it for you, and I didn't like it. Yep. And I was like, man, I know I could do it. Then I figured out, because I never even took a class in Photoshop or Illustrator, any of that. Yeah. I just learned a few things from my roommate. Damon would be like, you can do that. I'll show you how to do it. Like, literally, I'd just be there like, how do you do this? And he'll come show me. And i go off, take off some more, and he'd come back. Because before, I used to do everything on a copy and just have it all cut out. I remember my mom's books. Oh, I used to cut them joints. Magazines, cut all them joints and paste it. Take wow. it and put that on the copy. Collaging. That's the, that's the album. You know, that's the flyer. That's everything. Yeah. That's fire. We should get back to that, too. Yeah, I, man, that's, that's that's definitely some heart and soul in it. Yeah, some care. I miss those old flyers that were low key just scans of something real physical. Yeah, mm -hmm. now I mean that's what really, in the sense of you know what I was saying, how Resonant was like an influence. Mm -hmm. That's I think influenced me more so from him seeing his flyers because he had ridiculous pen work and he would put all this into a flyer. Yep. Where most people would just kind of like copy paste something. And he, was like, he was telling these whole stories. Mm -hmm. Enjoyed. Yeah, everybody out there, go check out Reggie No. Um, check out the fashion figures. He got a bunch of stuff yeah, right, right now. Ink, fashion uh, figures is real popular right now. It's like life uh, dolls, GI Joe size dolls with like real twenty four karat gold ropes on. <laughs> it's it's fire. You know they rocking tens and, and low and all types of other stuff. Definitely go check that out. So, doing all of these different deals and business stuff. Did you have like lawyer representation? Sometimes I did. Yeah. Other times I just had to figure it out. Yeah. You know, Google it, you know, and, and try to make the best of it. But after a while, you kind of know. Like, I remember like one of the first contracts they had in there, like, we own your name. Mm. And from that point on, I was like, I got to read every, every line in that joint. Like, yeah. Right now, I'm like, got like this uh, couple page contract for this new album. I and mean, it's got Inkscore out in Australia. And figuring out that. So yeah, you gotta read it all, man. If you could get legal representation, you should definitely get legal representation. Don't make it hard for you. Or, what do you think about having a manager? Uh, I think if you're that type of person, yeah, yeah. I think either you need a manager or you need assistance, one or the other, or you need multiple managers to handle each aspect of, of the different parts of business. But I just really think you have to figure out what kind of person you are. Are you sure. good at taking? advice or are you good at taking direction are yep. you good at expressing what you want to see happen like probably you know saying and with uh joanne coleman those are probably two of the best people i've had mm. to do manage management stuff for me and it's just really being able to let them operate how they operate you know in the rooms that they're really good at and yeah. in the rooms i'm really good at you can do yeah. what type of person do you think you are in regards to that uh well there's a reason I had the album conversation with Camille, because it was like, Camille I am. So like, uh, I, could, I could be loud or I could be quiet. Yeah. It just really depends on what's necessary to get it done. Mm. What do you think artists need to like start putting themselves out there to like get in a position where they're doing a tour or getting a deal with a company? 
I just think, you know, and this is usually when I sit with people, I just be like, what are you trying to do? Like, you yeah. just really need to figure out what's your goals in this, and if and then just pursue those goals. Yeah. Because that might not even be on the table of what you want. Sure. You know? But if you really want a tour, I think you just got to play a, a lot of shows first so you can get good. Mm-hmm. And that means you might be playing for free or, or playing the same spot a lot. But then from there, you know, really building with artists in other cities. Because, I mean, initially, we would just do trades. We were like, we'll set you up with a show in Chicago. You set us up with a show in New York. You set us up with a show in L.A. We set you up with a show in Chicago, you know, piggybacking. Yeah. And then from there, you know, it's kind of like doing the college circuit where you're like, these seven universities are close. Yeah. And I could go blah, 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 blah. So, you know, Southern, U of I, some school in St. Louis, then the... Universities here on the outskirts, then you know, go to Milwaukee or something. But just really, you know, just starting where you're at and figuring out what you could do. Or, you know. do you think? Oh, by the way, before I forget, I love the song you and you and DJ Redem did, where it's like your voice is like going to different pitches. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I, the name is slipped. The title of the song is slipping me, but you're like, uh. <laughs> you know your voice is like it's doing auto tone before it's auto tone on the man that voice. Saturday yeah, the yeah Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. yeah, that's with the vocoder, man. Yeah, man, you got the straight vocoder on. There. I feel like he was doing like the automation, you know, yeah, no, that uh, was, like, according real, to how like, you were rapping and all that. Yeah, that was hard, going, and man. that was like years before people were really using auto tone or you know putting that type of processing on their vocals. That was definitely ahead of time. Yeah, and uh, that that that's the record that got me overseas. Right. I did a couple records for him, but that was the one where I was put that on the, on the, the vinyl. And then I, we did the crazy video. Like, or yeah, yeah, when we did the office like uh, the guy Jose. He had mm-hmm. built like a whole sound stage for the office. And they Intel let us use his crib to make the elevator scene because I mean Intel's a, a very very good like film guy, bro. Like okay. shooting all that stuff. He's been at it. Since we were like teenagers, where's he at right now? I mean, he's still playing all his nights and shooting horror movies and other stuff. Oh, I mean, wow. he always is shooting. Like usually, him and Coney Rock, they do a lot of stuff. Oh, dope! I, I sent the message to Coney Rock not too long ago, asking him to put one of his legendary Chicago shorts up on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trust none. It's one of yeah, my favorites. Yeah, that was a moment when that came. That out. was a that was big like the first gangster. Exactly. Slip, yeah, yeah. If anybody that's not from Chicago and Chicago. Trust None by Coney Rock. It yeah, had shout out EC Illinois. It had EC in there, aka White Folks. Yeah. And, and it was his. That's who, who it is. Coney just shot it. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, yeah. EC Illum was just he was doing like necrobacks. Yeah, well, on I mean, another side of town. No, that's the a person. Speeding out monsters, from, you know. Seawall mob, you know. Definitely. Uh, yeah, shout out to Seawall. Yeah, but now he had to store the tip up north. And I mean, the record he was store, making yeah. so much happen out of that store. Yeah, I mean, that record similar to what crazy. people do with clothing stores now, you definitely on that heavy, 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 heavy. Uh, just give y'all a little bit of background. You're talking about E.C. Illa is like a legendary Chicago gangster rapper. He's like he's a white dude. Well, actually, he that, wasn't a gangster rapper first. He was just more. He was hardcore. woke. Yeah, he was. He, he was I mean, more hardcore in the beginning because like he it was a smooth, but it ain't no radio jam. That right. was like one of his first kind of breakout records. True. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah. he's got records with everyone from a Twister to an Ange 13. Yeah. yeah, and I'll tell you, he's not necessarily a gangster rapper. Age. He's just, he's, he's more street and just hard. Yeah. But Later, he mo- became more gangster. Yeah, I mean, 
you know, even I'm thinking about one of my favorite songs from him, When I Close My Eyes, you know, he's talking about an experience in a uh, psychologist's office, you know, he's talking to a shrink, uh, and, you know, those things that made you think, but him and you got Mr. White Folks, which is his daddy, who's a legendary <laughs> pimp. That part was wild, I was like, yeah, you know, and, yeah, and so this is White Gangster this Disciple this from Chicago, you know, and and he started this whole crew. Uh, a lot of legendary Chicago rappers and producers and whatnot, and they put out movies and all types of good mm -hmm. stuff. So no, go that's check some, that somebody out. else. I, I'll say I definitely watched because I remember his tape because it was like Common had it, had his joint in a real record store, mm -hmm. you know, real, real polished joint. He did Twister did when he was Tom Twister. Like those are like you know, yep. the people who are like, all right, I can do this. I see, I see they're doing it. This is for real. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you remember D.A. Walk With Me? Uh, D.A. Smart. Yeah, D.A. Yeah. Smart? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that was a moment. He was, he was, he was on it. He that was, was big. Yeah. yeah. I didn't meet him until way later. It's like maybe four or five years ago I met him. Okay. Yeah, and he was like, man, I like your voice. <laughs> I, like your voice. <laughs> I was like, oh, thanks, man. That was right. That's hard. Because I knew his dad. I never, I had never met him. His dad is like one of the early rappers here. Oh, really? Yeah. Brother, mm -hmm. I think father-in-law, brother, yeah, brother-in-law or father-in-law, I can't remember. That's what his name became, but he used to have like another mother Somebody. like back in the oh, It's so much history out here, and I feel like everybody's connected to somebody else, you know, they mm -hmm. got dads. Well, it's the past now. I mean, I think that's what's so trippy about it. And for instance, like the kids coming into a video, a lot of them, like, I'm friends with their parents, but right. not even like they know I'm friends with their parents. Yeah. It's just like, through kind of like, oh yeah, you know my dad? Let's talk about your collections, though. You know, because you're also a fly-ass dude that, you know, just traveling around the world, you came and I'm sure you acquired a lot of cool things that people yeah. couldn't get. And it changed my, my idea style. Right. I will say, like, living in London definitely made me want to step my dress game up even more. Okay. Because it was just like, people, I mean, people wear dress, but people went, like, above and beyond sometimes I'm, like, I'm just like dang you must have like 30 suits in your closet right. and every time I see you you got on some fresh stuff. yeah that's cool but, um just being able to see different cultures be inspired by different things but then also anytime you're in a situation where you can in introduce yourself as you yep. without any backstory yeah you're just in a place where you could be freer and try things I mean I got to really try a lot of things then also see what things that made me in Chicago style-wise, people appreciate those things, mm -hmm. you know? Because by the time I got to London, I had like a ridiculous amount of like Ralph Lauren and all that stuff. And at that point, I was starting to bridge out more into like Benetton and Fendi and, you know, a lot of archival things, yeah. you know, from them. But, you know, meeting people, they're like, oh my gosh, you have that. You know, mm -hmm. just like a new spark in that. But then I started to like Fila from being out there. Which was funny because, like, at that point, I was only wearing joints. I didn't wear anything else but joints. Okay. Like all types of joints. But seeing it on the high street and then seeing, like, the old tennis advertisements and that kind of stuff. And Tumblr, you know, at that point, it was really popping. So, you know, you could pick any subject and you just see all these crazy yep. pics. And I'm like, oh, man. Tumblr used that, to be know? amazing, man. Yeah. I remember I just used to, we all did, just spend hours on Tumblr. Just get... They had the best images, yeah. like fashion, architecture, yeah. whatever you know. It's so like, whatever you were into, you, you could definitely find it. Yeah, there was no real, there was no Instagram photos at that time. So it was either like the sartorialists, 
Yeah, it was um, really thought about, like whatever you're yeah. posting. Because I remember when I started my Tumblr, I was like, Dang, that just got to be the coldest thing I've ever done. Right? Yeah, seriously. Yeah, thinking about what picture to post for like days. Like, yeah, you had stuff in the queue. Yeah. And it wasn't and about you as right. well. Like, you could post you, but it wasn't about you. Right. It was more this ideal that you're trying to express. Yeah, it's whatever ideal you're trying to express or the things that you liked. It was a big move board. Um, but now I, I'm, Instagram has replaced that. And you can go on Instagram and just type in wherever in the world you want to be and then you got that right there but beforehand it was just it was just websites that was taking pictures of people that during fashion week yeah, yeah you it know, would just be London. more situational yeah, it was real life you know yeah. people weren't doing it for the gram it was just walking out I didn't even have an Instagram for the longest like I don't think I had an Instagram until like the store came like sure. 20, 20 uh, 15 yeah I wasn't really because you probably didn't even really need it I just—I was man. so stuck on Tumblr, man. Yeah. Tumblr and Facebook. I was trying to, you know, and I, at that point, I think I had maxed out my friends on Facebook. So I, was like, oh, uh, I did it! I did it! But like all of that stuff, just for me, came like late, you know. Like even with MySpace, I remember I got the cover of MySpace music, and then like a few months later, MySpace is done. Yeah. Right? And I was just like, oh. damn. Because even I mean, for me having all that stuff, it was only because of one deal I did for Rooftop. Mm-hmm. In the contract, I had to have a Facebook, a MySpace, a Twitter. Uh, they even set up my logins on it because I was like, I was so I'm not mad. into it. Yeah, well, broadcasting and stuff because I mean, he, again, you know, I'm coming from South Shore, I'm coming from Inglewood, where it's like I have a lot of things, but I'm not trying to promote. I have a lot of things. If you see me, you see me, but right. you don't need to know. And that's the way it should be. So that was one deal that you had right there that you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, you had rap, raptivism. Yeah, raptivism. Yeah, for the okay. comp and you know managing me. Um, BBE, uh, Tokyo Don. They're in Germany. They're Germany, in, uh, okay. Um, wherever the capital for Mercedes Benz, they're in that. Okay. Yeah, I forget what that's called. Did a few self release and Galapagos Four, which put out like my very first album and my first taste of what a record deal is. A bunch of other randoms from Ninja Tune on down, just where it's like compilations and other stuff. Man. You got any tips on freestyling? Don't be afraid. Okay. To let your voice do what it does. You know. Sure. Like I remember, you know, Ron Fest would call me and he'll like go through a whole sixteen, then I'll do a sixteen, then I will play him like one of my freestyles and he'd be like, Dude, that that's like ridiculous. And right. it was just like, man, because I don't care what I'm doing, I'm loose exactly. when I'm doing it, as opposed to with the rhythm like tight. Like, sure, yeah. You gotta get it like this. But just being loose and using your environment. I mean, a lot of times I would win battles because I used everything that was in the space yep. to my advantage of beating this person, you know? Did you ever battle Ryan Fest? Uh, we spoke on it many times, okay. and we definitely would, like, tiptoe around it, but we never got the face-to-face okay. joint, man. Like, I remember for a time I was, I was, I was on that. I was definitely on that because, I mean, we're all the same age. So, yeah. you know, we were definitely like, but yeah, yeah. I think he was out of that moment mm-hmm. when I was in that moment, you know. You know uh, Malik Youssef? Yeah, yeah, I know Malik. Yeah. You guys do any work together? Because I know he's big uh, in poetry and stuff like yeah. that also. With Malik, really just uh, the clothing. Like like when I was doing Afrowear stuff, okay. you know, he would you know, rock the stuff for the shows and I'd be like, all right, come to this crib, like, here's this what we got, you know, that kind of thing. All right. Yeah, we definitely talked about it. Same with J.I.V., we talked about it, but it's like, you know, I never was like, 
here's the joint, you know. Yeah. Because I'm one of those people where it's like either it's in my mind or it just. Sure. Yeah, you are one side. of those people. I, hey, real tips, man. Pugs, <laughs> you can get him to do a lot of stuff. He'll pugs. He will say yes, but you got to be in front of him. You got to be right in front of him. You know, if you want to so get this more stuff comes up, right? Yeah, because he's a busy man. He's doing Photoshop right now. I want to touch on because you are a pretty educated person. If you listen to your rap shoot talking about being against the establishment, can you talk about like the things that you were learning and the things that you taught yourself? Like I heard you mention uh, Mansa Musa on mm. one of your raps, you know, mm. and the gold and things like that. Like, mm. what type of impact that that have on your artistry and who you are as a person well yeah. you know in me you know wanting to do art wanting to be a painter you know my parents definitely pushed that i should tell our story mm. that's what i'm doing and then with the music same thing you can tell our story you shouldn't base it in this fictitious thing yep and then you know from studying all the great rappers the thing that would always reign true was when they talked about their actual lives their actual thoughts their actual upbringing those were the moments where it went Whoa, you know, because you can't make that up. You know, this right. is what you've actually done. But I mean, my dad definitely challenged me, and my mom as well. You know, taking me to all types of museums and mm -hmm. sitting with other artists. My mom was real big on that. Like, you're gonna go over there and you're gonna, you know, get whatever they got to give you. You know, like Oscar Brown Jr. You know, coming to my house to do signify my because I ain't never heard it, but he was friends with my mom, so he was like. Here you go. And then I'm like, ah, oh, I get it with the storytelling. Mm -hmm. ah, you know. But um my dad we made me read like books all summer and you know, I had to do book reports. I was like, This is crazy, man. I don't get a book report man. Well, Summertime, man. Damn. He was one of those parents when yeah, you're doing yeah. a book report in the summer. Yeah. But then, then you know, later, you know, as I've gotten older, I think about it, man, this dude was like for real protesting Black Panther and like he had to be pretty disciplined in, in that sense of it. So yeah. I can I get it. Or um, even at that time, you were like one of the first people uh, that I saw, first rappers from Chicago that had uh, dreadlocks. What do you prefer? You prefer calling them locks or dreads? No, dreadlocks. Because I mean, I, I had a lot of uncles from Jamaica. Yeah, yeah. That, so I mean, I, for me, you know, I know it became like a thing, and you know, a lot of hip hop people had it. But for me, it was really more of a family thing. Because, yep. like, they would come get me and take me to all these different Jamaica things. Okay. And, you know, Caribbean things, et cetera. And they would expose me to the music. You know, they married into the family. So it just okay. became like, these are my uncles. And they were just hipping me, you know. Word. My Uncle Joe, he would call me Tuffy. Tuffy, Tuffy, Tuffy. And, like, he would have me record, like, all these reggae tapes off the radio, you know, from the different college shows. I mean, that's how I found out about some of the rap shows okay. from recording his tapes at a reggae. That's hard. And he'd be like, oh, man, they're playing rap, though. After this, okay, I'm going to listen next week, you know, and cleaning sneakers and all that. Like, they, they put me into that that part of the game. Yep. Yeah. That's fire. You ever been in Jamaica? Uh, nah, man. They they invited me many times. At that point in my life, I would not leave Chicago. I was so like feeling like we'll miss something that's gonna happen here just because I was doing a lot of stuff. Okay. Here. Then later, I'm like, ah, I need to be here. I can go. But uh, I mean, ultimately with the dreads, because I mean, the way it was explained to me, your dreads is showing your power, showing your growth, showing like how you're focused. Mm. And you know, I took it real serious. You know, in the sense of like to do something like that and hold all that and keep that with you and 
you know, everybody can't touch your hair and all that, you know. Yep. Their antennas, you know, I really, really appreciated that and grew with that. Yeah. Oh, and then um, being in Chicago, you've seen it change from... Well, I didn't even see it change. That's the thing. Like, yeah. I left, right. you know, and I was in London and came back like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I was like, damn, everybody was dreaded up, yep. you know. Yeah. That, that was the thing, you know. When I was younger, when you see somebody with dreads, you're like either they're hip hop or they're like a rasta or they're you know a poet. You know what I mean? Was, right. Yeah. Certain some neo soul type that. stuff going on. You know what I mean? Some people would be grimy, but I mean that's in everything. But yeah. it was it was a certain you know it was a head nod or something you would get. Yeah, now, a certain little stereotype it's came with. It's a whole different thing. Right? It's a whole another stereotype yeah. now. Because I got back, I was big homie. I was you know I was right. mixed up and stuff. I was like, bro, I'm just walking past you. I don't know y'all. It went from you uh, having dreads made you the woke person to you uh, Chirac mm -hmm. drilling. <laughs> Can you tell me about some of your favorite cities in the U.S. that you've been to? Because uh, you did a lot. I, I would say probably Spokane, Washington will forever be the best city ever. Like, we, got denied, we got denied on tour going to Canada because we didn't know we needed visas. And we were talking too much about what we were about to do over there. Okay. And then they sent us back around, strip searched the car, looking for drugs. And then we had to take a week off from the tour because all the shows were there. Oh, wow. And then Intel found these guys on Couchsurfing that had a whole house. Mm. And they let us stay for a week. They got us a show at their college. And they threw me a prom. I told them I didn't oh. go to my personal prom. Oh, wow. I went to like, my girl's prom. So they forever will be the goat of cities. But uh, I've had a lot of fun in Beverly Hills, you know, and in L.A. Okay. I've had a lot of fun in New York. I mean, New York was more like, I guess, like your, your training. Yep. You know, when the sensei goes into the cave and he's like, you go into the wildness, you bring back the whatever, the lamb or some, some, something crazy like that. But New York was definitely like the, the, the ground point for me and Prime would go. That's another guy that was natural as well. He's like Alderman now. But um, he was like, come with me to New York, let's do it. I mean, we go to New York, just happenstance. Like somebody get a promotion, he's like, we should go for a week, let's do it. Crazy. You know, we're always like searching out for like a record deal, go to Fat Beat, somebody will get like a single deal for their vinyl and, you know, play a couple shows, battle some folks randomly. Crazy. And just wind up with different people's careers. I remember like uh, the first time I went, we winded up at like LP's house, mm. just kicking it, chatting with him. And he telling us about him doing the label and you know all the stuff he was about to do, and then he had like a barbecue in the back, and it's just like all these people that you had seen in the magazine like at the barbecue. Yeah, like, oh, man, I'm finally there. I'm, I'm in. I'm in here. I'm in here. But we go to Rocksteady reunion all the time, and that's like when I first met Thurston Howell and all of them was at oh, the okay. Rocksteady reunion. All right, Thurston Howell the third. Yeah. He had the best diction of rappers to me. Like his diction. You think so? I mean, he would say all the words, man. Yeah, there was yeah. no words he was missing. Like, he sounded like punch ins without punch ins, which is crazy. Thurston Howell the third is hard. <laughs> and he's an official low head, also. But if you don't know his music, go, super go check him out. You know, yeah. uh, my favorite Thurston is a uh, Mo Ghetto. <laughs> <laughs> it don't get Mo Ghetto than this. <laughs> I think my first favorite stuff for him was probably a lot of stuff off the first album, but John They're Stealing. That was like, that was probably the one for me. Or When I Die Bury Me with the Lone One, that was two. I remember we were leaving Scribble Jam in uh, Cincinnati, and like that was just on repeat. 
or heavy, heavy, heavy. What do you think about Death Row though? Because you've seen that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was it was very iconic. You know, I mean, it, it was kind of negative, but a lot of negative yeah. things are iconic. I mean, this is how, how the thing mm-hmm. goes. But at the time, they painted a picture. And yeah, it was something a lot of people fed into. Were you into Tupac's music at the time? Uh, I liked his early stuff. I yeah. mean, to be honest, I was never a super Tupac fan or a super Biggie fan. Like, yeah. I mean, a lot of people I like are very, like, off-kilter, you know, very, like, they have a lot of different styles. Because I'm more into styles. Right. And, you know, trippy storytelling, you know, and that kind of thing. Who's some of your favorite rappers? My favorite rappers? Uh, Saphir. That's probably, like, one of the people that made me step up how I rapped. Just okay. because this dude was rapping on like all the offbeat parts of the beat, but consistent, and being able to mathematically tell you how he's putting this to paper, you know, right. and it made classical music make sense to me. Okay, from here and that, like the counts, you know, and the points. Uh, Freestyle Fellowship, those dudes definitely, right. you know, influenced me. But most of the people were just the people like I started rapping with, you know, like this guy Chips Penny, like. To me, still, he's probably the best rapper I've ever met. Because, I mean, at 17, 18, he reminded me kind of Vic Mensa in the sense of when he was that young. Mm-hmm. They're writing these things where it's just a, how do you know that? Right. You know, and then how are you so good at putting these things together? Like, this is effortless for you. Mm-hmm. I'm over here like, ah, let me figure this out. You're just like, my complex, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so, since you mentioned Vic, what was that like seeing him come up? Because you seen him come up from a short He was super like, quiet. I mean, to be honest, like he would be at the radio show sometimes with these guys, the Good Doctors. Okay. Uh, they would do like a segment on the show, like a comedic type segment where mm-hmm. they'd be like, who needs to go? And they'd be like, we need Master P out. That nigga cannot make any more out. Like, they were <laughs> hilarious to me. Some people found them like bogus, but it was yep. hilarious. And then like, we would do these video segments where we would interview like Mano or Vic Lloyd, etc., and just ask them a bunch of random questions yep. and all that. But they would bring him, and they brought BJ the Chicago kid, and they would just be there. And like the thing I think that stood out to me about both of those guys, they were very quiet, but they knew like what they were going to do. Like, yep. Even like BJ is like, hey, you know, we're going to do this deal, and we're going to have this album, and, you know. And it's like years before any of that surface, you know. And Vic would just be sitting, and like he might have a headphones or something. But then when it was finally time for me to see what they were going to do, it was like. Whoa! Like, Y'all was games. working for real. No games. Yeah. Crazy. All right, let me hit you with these. Fear or love? Love. Yeah. In my old days, when I was younger. Fear. Be afraid. Okay. <laughs> if you were to fear one thing, what would it be? Not having enough time. Okay. Favorite restaurant? Right now is Velvet Taco, man. That's <laughs> Velvet Taco, that's, <laughs> that's right favorite. now. No, but, uh, one, one Gibson's place. Italian, that's probably my favorite. Okay. Favorite movie of all time? Oof. Probably Lord of the Flies. Okay. That was, that was a hard one. That, that changed my whole perspective. Worst job Pugs has ever had? Ooh, worse? Probably either working at a flower shop or working at the children's museum. One or the other. One mm. or the other. Yeah. Best piece of advice Pugs has ever received? Do your own thing. Mm. You don't need us. Worst piece of advice Pugs ever received? 
You should put that out. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you need me. That, I think that's that's mm-hmm. that's why you need me. That could always go wrong. I don't need you. Well, it's not even need. None of us need anybody. We could work well together. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's not a necessity. Most prized possession. Uh, my son. Worst. Best word that describes pugs. Open. Favorite curse word. Damn. Biggest guilty pleasure. Hmm. Scrolling. I'll be off to all <laughs> the Instagram tumblers looking for pictures. If Pugs wrote a book, what would be the title? My Life, probably. If you were on an island, what three things would you bring with you? Uh, Probably paper, pen, a pencil. Uh, Yeah, probably pencil. Like a whole big old box of pencils. Wrapping or painting? Probably wrapping. That's the one I've been the most consistent at. Alright. Which one put more paper in your pocket? They're about even, to be honest. Oh. Because painting is like, sometimes it's like less work. True. And other times rapping is less work. Which process do you enjoy more? Which one? They're the same. Like, I paint the same way I rap. Like, it's all like, alright, I'm ready. I feel it. Let's do it. Fire. Alright, my boy. Thank you, man. We did it. We We did it. You heard that? You heard that dap? That's it. Like Ben Dap right there.